0: This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted that you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on wherever you're sitting on the planet at the present time. Uh, My guest today is Worley. Uh, Worley is the founder and CEO of StrangeWorks, which uh, we describe as an unconventional computing software company based in Austin, Texas. StrangeWorks' mission is to revolutionize technology by guiding companies through the confusion and chaos of quantum computing, making it easily accessible to all. So welcome, Worley. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. It'd be great to talk to you again, Christopher. Uh, We always have such great conversations. I'm looking forward
1: Great. Well, thanks so much. So I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a bit about, you know, not just quantum, but your sort of overall journey. Like where did what did you do before you got involved in the quantum space? And so so our listeners might have a sense of, you know, what you did before you started Strange Works and topics might include like where you grew up, where you went to school, what you studied. Other companies or organizations where you worked and I'm gonna squeeze this in, you know, bands you might have played in just to cure to full disclosure. <laughs> Lily yeah. and I are both bass players, so FYI. This is uh, true. This is true. So here we um, share. So tell me about it.
0: It's such a short it's such a short story though. Well, I was oh, a military brat. I, I, I was a military brat. I grew up in Nuremberg. Um we moved around a lot. I ended up going to high school uh in Temple, Texas, about an hour outside of Austin and uh really uh it was touring as a bass player as you said i've never mentioned the band although i love that you tried to sneak it in there we did open up for for for, for huge funk acts and oh, and uh, and older <laughs> funk acts but we uh but we um i got in a bad car accident in on friday the 13th of 1991 and uh was pronounced dead uh came to went to the hospital they sent me home it turns out pretty much all of my internal organs were were bleeding out it's a oh wonder i'm God. alive Wow. I spent uh, 13 hours in exploratory surgery and about four weeks in the ICU and a, the, pretty much about a year recovering. And during that, I used the insurance settlement money to start a, a studio. And Christopher, you'll be the only person listening to this that knows. But if you remember, uh, Elisus had uh, yeah. their oh, ADATs, sure. right, which recorded digital audio onto VHS cassettes, right? Eight tracks a pop. Yeah, I had man. I had the first 48 track elisa's digital studio
1: oh, Yeah, those are cool. and and,
0: and, I, and i and i was just using it to i mean i wasn't you know it wasn't a business it was like just for me and, and my <laughs> friends and and i i started scoring music for cds um you oh, know it's wow. so like companies would have these trade shows and they make these cds and yeah. there was this midi simpty timing problem and a friend and i graham jones found a way to hack it hmm. and make it work and so we became really popular uh, on the programming side of, of a language a scripting language called lingo, which was the, huh. the thing that they used. Wow. And, uh, eventually, um, we met some people from Apple and they were, they asked us, if we wanted to work in their support center and essentially do phone support for studios and stuff like that. And huh. we loved Apple and it was the greatest thing ever. And, you know, it was, uh, it was back at that point in my career where it's like, I never really went to college and never did anything. i been to high school. I have this amazing job, this incredible company. This yeah. is as far as it goes. Right. I'm done. <laughs> right. Right.
1: You made it. Ta-da.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, worked at, look, I worked at Apple for, 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 for a while in a variety of roles, started there answering the phones, moved on to, um, uh, from answering the phones to running the, the global training programs. I created a thing called the Apple Interactive Training System at the time, hmm. uh, now since long gone, and then ended up in R&D uh, as a test engineer. And that was oh. my real first huh. real engineering job.
1: So then, after Apple, right? So I mean, talk about um, the stuff you did—financial uh, services, right? I mean,
0: well, yeah. I mean, I, I, my my career has essentially been bouncing between startups and and, and large companies. Uh, I started uh, at Apple, and then I left Apple in '97 to go work at IBM. Uh, as a principal engineer uh, in the internet business unit for Tivoli there, which is a big system management play.
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
0: left IBM to a startup that was a horrible experience, my first startup experience. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. and, uh, and I learned a lot about, whoa, these guys didn't know what they were talking about, or this didn't happen, or that didn't, yes. You know, so I was like, yeah. okay. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: uh, ended up going to another startup with a good friend of mine, Mike Irwin, who's the my uh, co-GP at Ecliptic Capital, which is a a fund that he's talked about forever and and convinced me to be a part of. You know, it was really, really shocking to go from Apple to IBM, culture-wise. It was more shocking to go from IBM to a startup, right? And so then I bounced back and forth. I was at BMC Software, which is another system management play. I mean, that's a big part of my background is these large, scalable software systems. Hmm. In 2006 created a thing called the iPhone dev camp with, uh, Raven Zachary, who was the, the genius behind it. I always make sure he gets credit for that. <laughs> yeah. And there were, and Chris Messina was there. There there were several, there, there was a lot of, of, of kind of known people on there, but it was Raven's, uh, Raven's baby for sure.
1: Yeah. And,
0: uh, we gathered 400 engineers to hmm. hack on iPhones at Adobe's offices, uh, the week after it came out. And it was super cool because, uh, you know, uh, O'Reilly was there talking about writing books about programming for iPhone and investors were there and everybody's there. And I I had always joined these startups super early. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to write a book. I'm not going to join a startup. I'm going to wait and see if this (laughs) whole first to market thing actually matters. Cause I I don't believe that it does. frankly. And uh, I waited three years and then uh, Mike Irwin and I formed a company called chaotic moon, uh, eventually bringing in uh, Ben lamb as a third partner. And, it was amazing, uh, super successful. We did all of the mobile apps for Starbucks and Whole Foods and American Idol and X Factor and anybody you could name. Uh, and it was, it was models and bottles and fun and profit. I always like to say that was my first real startup because it was the first one I really founded, right? And, uh, and then uh, that was picked up by uh, Accenture. And we had spun a gaming company out of it that was eventually acquired about a year later by Zynga. Wow. And then in 2015, uh, the same software team, we started a company called Honest Dollar to kind of reinvent retirement. Uh, Launched it at South by in March 2015. Uh, It was acquired by Goldman Sachs in March 2016. I went on CNBC and said, I'm joining the management team at Goldman Sachs. Yay. And uh, (laughs) Because I am clearly... And I say this tongue-in-cheek because I, I like all my Goldman peeps, but, but, you know, clearly I am Goldman material, right? For anybody listening <laughs> well, that knows absolutely. me, they're like, wait, oh. how, how <laughs> would you – they let you in the building, right? I mean, that's, well, really. that, that's the answer. Um, you know, and, and, and I had looked at – and that's where the quantum journey kind of comes into play. I had looked yeah. at quantum for a long time. Um, I had studied it, and uh, in 2016, I tried to get Goldman to, to take a, a quantum leap of faith. There were a couple people working on it there at the time. There was some interest, but they weren't they weren't really ready for that. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. and so now, of course, they have a big team. They've got a lot of other stuff going on, right? But, yeah, yeah, You know, uh, so I started uh, Strange Works, you know, which is, uh, you know, you mentioned in this, you know, and kind of how did you how did you get to where you go? Well, Strange Works started as a Linux Foundation project, and that's the thing huh. most people don't know is that. Wow. I went to my friend, Brian Baillendorf, who a lot of listeners may know from Apache uh, Software Foundation, right? He's one of the, yeah. uh, he, w- he was the founder of Apache yeah. and, and Jim Zimlin and Mark Hinko and all my old open source peeps. And I said, Hey, I've been looking at this quantum thing for a few years now. I think it's really big, but you know, there's, there's not a big community of developers. There's a lot of tools missing. There's a lot of stuff we should do this project. And so we got all the usual suspects and I'm not going to name anybody together mm-hmm. into an office in San Francisco, hmm. and everybody said they wanted to work together. And what I found out is that at that time, and this still is true in a little bit, but it's changing a lot, people seem to be under this impression that there'll be one machine with one vertically integrated software stack, and that that's going to be the winner, hmm. right? And you see that in the way VCs have made their bets on hardware companies, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I just don't believe that. But they, yeah. they basically, you know, long story short, they didn't get along. And so when they didn't get along, I just said, you know, I kind of just threw my arms up and said, uh, screw it. I'll just do it as a commercial company. <laughs> I'll yeah. just do it myself. Yeah. And that was, that was how Strangeworks had started. Wow. So when I went out and I pitched Lightspeed, the pitch was, I've been studying this for years. Here's all my notes. I've been an index of everybody in the space. I tried to start the Linux Foundation project. And the fact that these, some of these people didn't want to do this makes me feel more that you know, there's this huge opportunity to, yeah. to build something a little different. And it was really risky. It's a lot harder. Building community yeah. is not something you profit from. Building standards is not something you profit from, right? Yeah, There's, yeah. So, so for a startup, it was kind of orthogonal to everybody in Quantum, but it was also very um, counterculture to the Valley and the way you know you do your round and you do it really fast and you right. focus on one tiny sliver. And yeah. you know, we were kind of like, well, we're going to just do everything and kind of wander around in the desert <laughs> like Moses or whatever, <laughs> yeah. uh, because, because we have an amazing software team and we've, we've right. built so many things that, you know, many of your users, you know, have used, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, many of the listeners have used and, 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 you know, millions in some cases, you know, hundreds of millions of users. And you learn a lot about scaling and, and, yeah. you know, all of this different stuff. And so I thought this is, we can bring something different to quantum, which is we can bring a, a, a software first kind of view. Yeah, and 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 the joke was in the, in the pitch was I wrote quantum computing for babies, right? Well, this is the joke now. The joke <laughs> I in the
1: love pitch. That. I love that book by the way. Yeah, the joke. The, jo- oh, the joke I in the pitch.
0: Well, the joke in the pitch was, um, physics, You know, software engineers are not amazing physicists, right? And, and yeah. physicists are not really software engineers, right? Like I wrote quantum yeah. computing for babies. Does not make me Einstein or Schrödinger? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but you downloaded a, a Python library off of GitHub doesn't make you a software developer either right yeah. like we both uh, yeah, we yeah. both have to and that's been the focus of Stranger because how do we bring these communities together more and yeah. share the secrets so that the software people yeah. can understand more about the physics and the physics yeah. people can understand that you know all those software development has kind of is not in its heyday, right? Developers are kind of the new coal miners these days. Right, um, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, let them understand that, uh, you know, there's it's a lot more complexity on each side and yeah. only by working together can we really make this this industry take up.
1: So tell me, this is so fascinating, tell me more about like what goes on at Strangeworks, sort of what the company does and who's taking advantage of it. I love the website, by the way. And then the segue would be into sort of, the quantumcomputing.com community, which you've organized, which I'm a member of, proud to say, you know what the vision of that is, and then sort of more importantly, how our listeners can participate. How can people take advantage of this amazing community?
0: That, yeah, that we, I mean that that's fine. I mean, what goes on at Strange Works? Uh, you know, there's a <laughs> a lot. I mean, there's the only
1: you can share. I mean, well, uh,
0: it's it's not that. It's just there's there's only 14 of us, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and, and so. Um, You know, what can go on? You know, we've raised $4 million uh, in January 2018. Uh, We still haven't done a Series A. There's only 14 of us. We're just kind of like shrugging along. But what goes on here every day is, you know, we're integrating, you know, we've just every software uh, component, every hardware component, and putting them all into a single, very easy to use, very managed interface. And so when you look at it, uh, fantastic. that's yeah, great. Well, I mean well, well, when you look at that's
1: it. Small thing. That's a non-trivial activity, I would say, right? It's a
0: lot it's it's probably a lot harder than people think. But you know, for example, uh we launched uh in February, we kind of came out of stealth a little bit. We launched the quantum syndicate. And so you've got one qubit and algorithmic and Amazon and Adam and Bleximo and I mean like twenty six, thirty, thirty plus members now, right? And so that's great to have that huge partner network, which I think is kind of unique in the quantum space. I mean, everybody has a, a you know, we all have kind of the same ones, right? Like everybody ties in a bracket and does this and does that. Right. And, and ours are just going much deeper. I mean, we're now expanding into Europe uh, very heavily. We opened StrangeWorks Deutschland and uh, mm. our offices in Munich. And then we're cool. also now uh, even looking at putting a couple of Chinese quantum computers on the platform as well. So wow. our, our, our breadth and depth um, as far as the integration components is is pretty significant, yeah. and of course that means we support all the frameworks, right? So you talked about quantumcomputing.com. Well, whether you're talking to Amazon Brackets SDK or Bluecat or Cirque or Ocean Forest or Jupyter Notebooks or Penny Lane, whatever it is. We've yeah. had all of that all organized and then we manage it for you. So for example, you know, yes. if somebody updates a framework, you don't have to worry about uh, whether you're updating stuff. It's all a hosted infrastructure, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's you cool. just go and work on your code. And that was it. The, the goal of quantumcomputing.com was not just to build community and learn about what we might be able to contribute to the, to the quantum community, but it was to start bringing and bridging things together
1: yeah. in a way
0: that is effective for the person that I care about which is the scientist working on the cure for cancer, mm-hmm. our working on climate change, the yeah. material scientist, chemist or the quantum mm-hmm. chemist. Right. And so it's, yeah. th- there's not a lot of those people. And so we're trying to figure out, well, how do we support them? And then what we see as the future, which is a community much like Apple of 20, 25, 30, 30 million plus yeah. developers, yeah. Who are not physicists, who are software developers uh, using these tools? I mean, the way I see the future is you won't use any of the quantum tools. You will simply be working on a problem, and the software on the back end and the hardware on the back end will automatically route and change and push things to where they need to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you'll be using quantum, but you n- won't necessarily know. Because right. at the end of the day, as much as we romanticize these computers, uh, from a software developer's perspective, they're just another target, right? They're just uh-huh. another computational yeah, yeah. target.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so last month you announced uh, integration with the IBM Quantum Cloud Services, and both of us being former IBMers, uh, <laughs> it was interesting to hear what IBM's doing, but uh, you described integrating 28 quantum services, including nine free quantum computers and five hosted simulators into the broader StrangeWorks ecosystem. Can you describe yeah. how that partnership uh, took place and what's going on
0: there? Well, that's a, that's a big deal. And I know that yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of people are wondering, and you and I both worked at IBM. So, you know, I've already had people be like, wow, it must be an advantage. To work. It's like I worked at IBM in 1997. <laughs> and, while, <laughs> and while I'm sure a few people I know are still there. Heard, well, I joined yeah, in 98. Have any, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't have any magical control of, <laughs> of anything right. at IBM. But well, um, that's sad. But um, IBM saw value in what we had built and the community and kind of the market, because IBM Quantum has done a really great job, the IBM Q, they've got, uh, you know, tons of scientists and physicists stuff. We've kind of broken out already into that, like, just quantum curious developers, right? So it's a, there was some new stuff. And the agreement we came to was pretty simple. Uh, They joined the Quantum Syndicate, and then now those nine quantum machines you mentioned, all of those uh, you know, quantum services, uh, 28 in total, they're mm. all on, not hosted on IBM. They're, they're actually now all integrated into the StrangeWorks platform into quantumcomputing.com. Mm. Right. So if you are listening and you want to mess with actual real quantum computers, you will get put into a queue, but you can now not only get that from IBM, you can actually go to quantumcomputing.com set that up on this uh, and be able to to use all of those resources but in an environment where you can also send things to multiple machines yeah, or, or, or simulators yeah. right so now yeah, you can, yeah. that gets added to kind of this collective this suite if you will of of tools and, and services and hardware that people can access yeah, um, cool. yeah it's super cool. cool
1: so i want to get your take on the overall direction of quantum software shift gears for a minute get down more into the weeds but uh, it seems to me like it's the historical chicken and egg problem, right? Like you've got to have something to run the code on at the end of the day, or you can write lots of code, but if there's no device you can, you know, port it over to or, or run it on, um, you know, it's going to be challenging to d- deliver value with it. Right. So do you have like which approaches might win out or will there be a, even just talk about a standard operating system at some point I've heard
0: companies yeah. talk about creating a yeah, operating I, system what's your take so so i worked on mac os um mm-hmm. seven and i know how many thousands of people <laughs> worked on that yeah I, I understand what building an operating system is and i used to work for the guys who do it i don't think anybody's building an operating system they might be building a management system that governs operations, you know, maybe it's workflows or this or that. But you know, that's one of my my problems with quantum. And by the way, it's my fault. As one of the people coming from software into quantum, yeah, we have not done a good enough job of working with all of these people in quantum that we know and that call and stuff of of kind of educating them on on like actual like software and developments. Look, everybody says platform, but one company says platform, and they have a platform, and one company says platform, and they have an SDK, and one company has a platform, and they have an open source system that they've added some quantum on top of. And, you know, it, it, the terms get really loosely applied in this space more than any space I've been in. And, and I feel, you know, I was I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and they go, well, that's on you. Like, if you're the software guy here, you should be telling people that. <laughs> He's yeah, like, yeah. you can't blame them. That's your fault. You can't, you but, can't say that. But you're talking about the future of software. And I think we took a, we're taking steps to that. So, you know, another IBM announcement, we did two back to back, which was <laughs> a little uncomfortable right. for me because I don't work for IBM,
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, but,
0: they, but they've done some really nice stuff is, you know, on June 8th, we re, you know, IBM released Kiskit runtimes, not on IBM infrastructure, or IBM Q, but actually on quantum and the string yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. And that's, a good step because think about what we do now. You have code, you send that code across the internet, goes to a classical computer, near the quantum computer. You know, you build, you know, get the chasm out of it, do whatever, lay out the lattice. All of these things. What IBM has done with IBM runtime, what well, with Qiskit runtimes, is really, really interesting because now those circuits are kind of pre-laid out on the machine, so you just make an API call. So this is like 120 times faster than what was being done previously,
1: yeah, right? right?
0: And right. This, is, this in general is the direction I think quantum software goes. Not IBM KizKit runtimes necessarily being like the de facto standard. That's not what I'm saying. But the idea of more and more circuits and things actually being resident on the machine.
1: So yeah, that you're yeah. just doing
0: huh. API calls because as we start doing that and adding layers of abstraction, now software development for quantum starts just looking like software development. Right. You know, right. a lot, a lot less of the, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> the way things are, the way we, like, you know, like if you go into Mathematica and lay out a symbolic circuit or uh, you know, you using any of these things, it's like, I think what you're going to, what you're going to see is hardware gets commoditized. Software has the value ascribed to it. And then software becomes integrated into the fabric. So you think about how you used to set up a mail account in like 1989. Right. right? Yeah. And, and then you look at <laughs> how, that, how that evolved to where now, you know, how my mom, how I set up her mail account is. I made her a QR code. So when she gets a new device, she forgets it. She points her camera at the QR code. I have a script that just puts all our names and passwords in and she's set up on mail, right? This kind of abstraction, this kind of automation uh, happens everywhere. I mean, think of how <laughs> you, were, you were at IBM. Think of, you know, how programming worked at IBM when you were there in the 90s, yeah. right? How yeah. did software development work? You know, yeah. we're talking pre Git, pre subversion, pre CPS, <laughs> right? Yeah, start, yeah, and, yeah. and and people listening may not know what any of those things mean, though, right? But but when you start when you start looking at just how you used to manage the code you were writing or collaborate on teams, how fast things have advanced, how easier they've gotten. I mean, I remember when web developers, much like quantum developers today, were making hundreds of thousands of dollars oh, yeah. because they spoke internet, well, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget, um, well, senior, yeah. senior manager at IBM, uh, that, that worked for Kershner asking me once, uh, what the hell is a web developer? Are they a software engineer or not? And now, now look at all the schools you have and the coding schools and yeah, how, yeah. how, you know, like now you, you don't, you know, websites and, and this is an important lesson for everybody in quantum and for everybody in general, just as entrepreneurs to understand like, Websites used to be millions and millions of dollars. So, like, I, mean, I, I worked I really, on a website project that was twelve million bucks to build a yeah. website, and oh, now, man. now, thirty years later, Wix is nine bucks a month, so right? And here. you don't use yeah. any code.
1: Or you download that, like a WordPress template and correct? You know, I, I worked at uh, several inter- interactive agencies in New York in the early days, and yeah, we used to charge corporate clients a ton of money to build these websites for them. Yeah, it's crazy. So, well, and,
0: the, and look, that's not to say that quantum isn't special, but that's yeah. to say that the same thing that happens with software and yeah. software development every time is going to happen again. Yeah. Okay. So, and so and eventually, so, quantum will be very you, open.
1: I want to ask you, so that great straight man, for my next question, which is around sort of the first killer app, right? So we'd say, and people would say the sort of email was like the killer app or maybe even VisiCalc for a sort of personal computer adoption, right? But what's your sense of, like, you know, what's, what's the solution that quantum will deliver, uh, uh, inc- you know, incrementally um, uh, or exponential improvement to? And that'll sort of drive adoption and understanding. I mean, could it be cryptography? Could it be optimization? So, uh, so that's a
0: great question. And, look, everybody's focused on chemistry. Obviously, all the pharma companies are doing stuff, material science. Quantum chemistry has been a thing for a while. It makes sense. I'm looking at it from a different perspective, Right. Okay. Uh, I don't look at it from an industry vertical or a problem, a specific problem. I look at it from a type of problem. There is a large problem space, and there are a multitude of extremely valuable problems. I feel like right now, everybody in quantum is like, we cure cancer, that's worth tons. right? They, these problems that, that I hear people talk about are like, and then... Space portal to Mars, and you're like, right, but you realize there's a million problems that affect all of us every day that we can't fix that are much easier, right? And yeah. these are this problem spaces where you add a few variables, you add something and the evaluation time skyrockets, right? So, like Michelle Simmons, uh, you know, gave her her TED talk. I believe it was, and she's a traveling salesperson as an example, right? And and I've used her her same example, and always giving her credit for it as well. You get, take, you want to go to 14 cities. You do it on the laptop. Takes 1600 seconds. You go to 22. That laptop takes 2000 years, right? So this this area, and that that's a very generic way to look at it. But that's the kind of thinking I want my team here to be able to do. I don't want to be like, look, we're just looking at BQP or NP plus R or this area or that area. I want to think bigger, more, because the approach we're trying to take, if it hasn't become apparent to everybody, is extremely autopoetic, meaning we're trying to build a self managing, self governing environment within this quantum landscape, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- that everybody can benefit from. But I think it's, I don't think it's a, I think looking at it at specific problems is short sighted. And I'll tell you why. Because where we're at in quantum right now is effectively 1963. <laughs> and this guy named Jack has just okay. come up. And he said, here's a microprocessor. <laughs> and everybody is thinking we can make, uh, you know, with the microprocessor came out, they said, you know what? Record keeping is done. Look <laughs> at how we're going to be able, right? You know, yeah, or yeah. pick your, pick your problem, right? But yeah, they yeah. were all like stupid. Like we look back at them, and we're like, what? But nobody was talking about autonomous vehicles or drones or AI or quant, or nobody was envisioning any of this stuff. So the way when I started the when I you know moved the company from this you know from hey it's a it's a idea for open source thing to to a commercial company, the other thing I I moved was opening, broadening the, the horizons and thinking, you know what the purpose of Strangeworks really is? We're not here to solve the problems of today. We're here to bring about and hopefully take advantage of the opportunities of tomorrow. When we move from von Neumann architectures. There will be a whole new set of ideas. There will be ideas around super intelligence. There will be ideas around a million things. And and I don't want to be the CEO of IBM saying I think there's room for four or five computers in the entire world at least, right? right? <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I think that that's part of where you know where we're maybe being a little too myopic in the industry right now. Is every conversation I have with a venture investor, with a partner, with a customer is all around this such. A specific problem it's such a thing and it's like right but 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 there's a million other ways to use this processing power that that have value that may have value today and i will foreshadow i'm hoping that one of our partners who has done something i think is a very demonstrable proof of the, the value of quantum in an area that nobody is looking at uh is hopefully going to publish that on quantumcomputing.com. we're talking to them you know of course the first thing when somebody discovers something right in quantum is everybody's like Oh, you know well, the patent and the IP, and what about the you know? right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah. we're gonna we're all gonna move I'll, I'll forward a lot faster and a lot more in sync. Uh, the moment that we uh, the moment that we can uh, collaborate a lot better, because yeah. there's a we'll, long yeah. way to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I, I in in closing, I always like to move to a topic that's near and dear to my heart, um, and get your take on the challenges facing. Not only a company like StrangeWorks, because you see 14 of you uh, working on this currently, but more broadly, the quantum information science space, and that is finding talent. Like, How do you go about recruiting for, for the company? What might be done to help better prepare the quantum-ready workforce for oh this my God. stuff that, that's coming? That,
0: that is literally one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so <laughs> cool. I, did, I, did, when I, I did not know that question was going to up. I, I, I must have missed that you know, in your email, but that's a fantastic question. And the, okay. the reason is this. So first of all, from a StrangeWorks perspective, I do not have any issue recruiting because I've been in this industry for 30 years. Everybody at StrangeWorks has worked together between around five, now six, because we have some, a couple of new people, years, to up to around 27 years. Wow. Right? Cool. So, the, so the, this is absolutely um, you know, a different approach because I need physicists to inform the software developers, right? I'm not building hardware. Like there's no hard science happening. This is all software. And so for me, it's a lot easier to recruit. However, now we talk about a problem. And you've heard me say this on stage before. If we had a million qubit machine today and we dropped it in the middle of San Francisco or Tokyo or New York or London or wherever, who would program it? Like Who would actually be able to take advantage of it? And the, the reason I wonder that, and I know there's maybe a few people who think they could, but I think that these things are going to start getting infinitely complex. And so I think that recruiting on the hard science side is going to be... like I'm glad I don't run a hard company because they're all getting hundreds of millions in funding. The price of talent is going up exorbitantly. and And the talent is getting smarter about the startup world. So they're starting to understand a lot better which they should. And I, hopefully I feel like I've done my part in helping educate a lot of people that have reached out to me on LinkedIn and stuff. Yeah, like, Here's yeah. what you need to be worried about with the employer or the this or the stock option or the that or the whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. And by the way, anybody listening, hit me up on LinkedIn. It's just that early. And I'm happy to give you free advice too. You just might have to wait a couple of weeks to hear from me, but I'm more than happy <laughs> to help everyone. Yeah, um, because again, I think openness and transparency are important, but you know, you asked about this workforce, this is going to be key. And it is going to be critical, and it's going to be extremely critical in the next 24 to 36 months. Because if we started training people in quantum mechanics today, I don't know that in 36 months we'd have enough people to where I think the market will be. Yeah, right? So I think yeah. there's a huge delta between talent and opportunity, right? There's going to be so much opportunity. I don't think we have enough talent. That's going to force investment and things into stuff like what we're doing. Which is how do you augment that right what is software's job software has one job the elimination of complexity that's it
1: i like it yeah yeah, software takes
0: complex stuff and Uh it makes it where you click a button and it just happens right you can think of a million things yeah um and everybody always says software displaces jobs it does that that's not true it eliminates complexity tell bank tellers in the 80s were protesting in picket lines the ATMs were going to take their jobs. Right. And it, it didn't, right? It, it meant they didn't have to count out cash and do the complexity all this stuff. They could now be customer service right? yeah. and do do other stuff. Yeah. So so the same way I see that happening in quantum, I see we're going to go through a period in the next 36 months where there will be a massive talent shortage. This has already been talked about too much in the community, right? Like everybody's aware of that. That's no, that's no, that's no, that's no secret. But I think that talent will then I'm wondering what happens to all that talent if we train up too many people and then the software comes in and we start adding abstraction layers and it starts getting easier. You know, how how do we can and this is a concern I hear from people that that reach out to me on Twitter and LinkedIn is I am a physicist. I'm just, you know, at this point in my career, I haven't, you know, I'm about to do my 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 postdoc work or I'm I'm defending my thesis. You know, they're right in in that enter the market. And or more importantly, they're a couple of years before, and they're saying, "Do I start augmenting it with computer science? Do I start?" You know, and, and the, the fact is, none of us know what's going to happen. Anybody yeah. who tells you they do is a, is a fool. Uh, but I I I have seen repeatable, demonstrable cycles in new technology and software, where uh, you know, iPhone was no different. You had no iPhone yeah. developers yeah. and now you have 30 million iPhone developers and <laughs> they don't make money because there's too many of them. And there's a hundred task app and a hundred that happens in every yeah. single technology advancement and it will happen in quantum too. Yeah, you know, and so, sure. so people are looking at algorithms and, 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 and all of this stuff. It's like, those are going to come from academia. They're going to be free. There's going to be dozens of them. And by the way, the banks aren't going to want to share algorithms. They're going to use the open source ones and to modify them. So there's all of this stuff is going to happen. And it's this quantum workforce is the number one issue we should all be discussing. We should all be collaborating on because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be trying on the software side to get software developers to be able to do more without the, the, the physics necessarily. And the physicists are going to be trying to use the physics to drive better hardware and all this. But, you know, if we, if we train too many people and there's a, there's this, just as bad as effective as what we have now, which is there's probably only a couple hundred people worldwide that really matter. And even if, even if you counted everyone, you're talking about what? 10, 15, 20,000. I mean, and that's a stretch. That is a huge yeah. like, stretch. Yeah, yeah. Apple has 30 million developers in their <laughs> ecosystem. Yeah. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like there's yeah, these yeah. dynamics that'll happen in the workforce. And I believe governments, uh, I just talked to the UN about this, uh, two weeks ago I was in Geneva uh, with the ITU, and I, I was talking to them and, and telling them about there's there's an opportunity here for us to change the, the the global landscape from a technology perspective, because you will be in a position to have countries like Africa. You've seen what's going on with one quantum down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know places in Asia, places in in you know there's so many opportunities. and and I think that countries are seeing this. We have to block people. Off of quantumcomputing.com every single day because they're we're a U.S. based company and they're in uh, a country that's on a sanctions list, right? Or they're this. There are people using it in over a hundred countries, hmm, and, and and this is different than anything I've ever seen. And I'll, I'll 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 sum it up. But quantum workforce, everybody saw what the web did for economics of countries, right? And e-commerce, and we saw that the people that Built out infrastructure later. That did the training. didn't have the workforce. Right? They've they've developed less. They've missed the opportunity. Yeah. Right. Many countries, you can say, miss the internet completely. Look at e-commerce in the U.S. compared to Europe. So there's yeah. all of these things. Look, this is the chance for all of these lesser, uh, you know, known countries in, in the texting to become powerhouses. There are physicists in all of these places. Uh, there are software developers. And so when I look and I say, wow. This thing that we've created that we didn't really didn't promote that we that we don't uh, you know invest a lot in obviously we're working on some, some you know what we, we think is going to be the core uh, of the of the business. Um, this thing has users in over 100 countries. There's yeah. thousands of projects. Exactly. There's that, and it just tells me, yeah, but it's not about us or that. It's about quantum is going to go global faster than any other significant technology milestone yeah. and advance in our history.
1: So really, and that's that great. opens
0: up a world of insane, insanity for for governments everywhere, right?
1: Well, yeah, and for talent. So really, that's a great note to close on. Um, with your permission, I'm going to invite people to connect with you on LinkedIn. I know you get you're inundated, I'm sure, but uh, you know that's the lingua franca, right? That's the place to connect. So
0: uh, absolutely, I'm
1: cool with that. And then Look, I encourage I- people to go to strangeworks.com and to quantumcomputing.com to learn more about the great work that you're doing. Um, there's a quantum community, uh, community newsletter as well that I've signed up for that I encourage listeners to check out. Um, and any final comment you want to say before we we wrap our podcast?
0: I think that we live in the greatest time to be alive in history. I believe that the 2020s are going to be like the roaring 1920s. And I think quantum is going to be a much bigger part of that than people believe. Right now, right? People think, oh, you know, I still hear people say, oh, it's 20, 30 years out or whatever. Look, billions of dollars in the past six months invested in quantum direct. Right, 450 I mean, million yesterday into one company. Right?
1: PSI, right? There's
0: quantum. a lot. Yep. There's a lot Series of smart P. people. Yep. That's what, there's a lot of smart people. And now there's a lot of money. And I got to tell you, that doesn't mean it's, you know, yay, quantum, we're done. We'll like fix it in a week. But Massive breakthroughs. There are so many talented physicists around the world. I've had the pleasure and the benefit of talking to you, and and now they're getting this type of funding, and and now it's getting a little bit cooperative, but also competition. This is going to be the space, and I just think everybody listening, if they're invested in it, invest more. If they're if they're thinking about getting into it, get into it now because quantum is going to be like your favorite hot stock in three years. It's going to be. You know, by the time you've heard about it and how hot it is, it's too late for you to <laughs> maybe <laughs> necessarily get in it, right? right um, I, yeah, I mean, this is this is—I I couldn't think of anything I'd rather be spending my time on at this point in my career, at this point in my life, because I feel like I'm not going to be one of the people remembered by history, but I'm going to have met two dozen of them, yeah, and, cool. and I'm meeting some of these amazing physicists and some of these amazing software people that are now coming into this space too. Um, and I'm yeah. just like, this is. Larry Kleinrock at UCLA, (laughs) uh, you know, setting up the first connection over to CERN, you know what I mean? Like, like, like this is the moment that we're all living in. And the great news is there's opportunity for everyone.
1: Yeah, It it, it is
0: a complete open field. And so I would just encourage everybody to really, really consider becoming a part of, of this, this movement, this revolution, this evolution in computing, whatever you want to classify it. Yeah people involved. The thing we're missing is more bright minds looking at more problems, sharing things openly. We can advance this space more in the next 36 months than anybody could possibly imagine.
1: Great. Well, Worley, thanks so much. It's been a delightful conversation. I've loved hearing your insight and perspective. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me and to be continued, uh, you and I, for sure.
0: Absolutely. And, and thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Take care.
0: You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.